values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. I can't wait. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Stevie Nicks heading to the auction pavilion next Thursday with Vanessa Carlton. Tickets are on sale, but you could win a pair possibly by going over to the contest page at KTAR.com. Some people understood that joke. It's a line from the song. I can't wait. Um, so we had an interesting conversation with Dr. Michael Crow over at ASU. Uh, and um, if you listen to the show, uh, first of all, if you listen listen often, I appreciate it. But if you catch us every once in a while, we talk about education a lot, higher education. I am an advocate for the CTEDs or the trade schools as they're classically known. Um, I think that learning a skill is what saved me. I fell into it. It was not part of a plan in my life. Um, I spent a major part of my life not planning anything, living hand to mouth. And I just was very blessed to be able to even come out of it the way I did. But when I found the trades, when I found the trade I fell into, which was an electrician, um, I knew then that this was going to be something I wanted to do. It filled, all, it checked all the boxes for me. Um, I was working with my hands. I was working outside. I was productive. In other words, at the end of the day, you could see what you accomplished. Uh, I made good money. Comparatively speaking, from what I was doing before, and I, I had a way of learning and and climbing the ladder, and I loved that. So I started out as a helper, and not even an apprentice. I didn't know anything. I was climbing in attics and carrying material. That's what I did as I learned the trade at the beginning. So in June of 1985, I entered the trade as a as a helper on a job site building houses. And in six years, six years, I became the manager of a company on uh, Sanibel Island, which is now gone because of the hurricane. But um, I was proud of my time in the trades and I loved it. As a matter of fact, I'm speaking to an association tonight uh, of masons, a masonry association. And I love being in a room full of people that get it the way I do in the sense of there is a sense of accomplishment. There's nothing wrong with hard work. Uh, I laugh at the misconception of sweat versus intelligence. What I mean by that is when you're out getting lunch or whatever and you see a bunch of guys sitting at a table whose hands are dirty, pants are dirty, sweaty, the the idea of a strong back and a weak mind comes in and I will tell you that some of the smartest people that I've ever met, smart as intelligent and wise, are people that have made their way and made their livelihoods through the trades. It is a difficult industry to perfect, but if you get it right, you can make a really good living and be proud yourself and the things that you've done. That being said, I talked with Dr. Crow about a college education, which I am not against either. I think it's it's an accomplishment. I will be very honest with you. I look at, back at my life, and I don't have a whole lot of regrets, but one regret that I have is that I don't have a college education. Um, I would put my knowledge up against a lot of people, but I have a deep respect for people that have been willing to have the discipline to do the coursework to get the piece of paper in a college degree, and I'm not one of them, but I wish I, wish I was. Um, so we talked with Dr. Crow about return on invest, investment and this uh, the statistics in this first part of what he said, because I was the one who questioned the return on investment. Is it wise to pay for a college degree now? And are you going to get money back? Are you going to get a good return on investment? And here's what Dr. Crow said. You know, what we've got is a situation where we have actually calculated the return on investment to our students, and it has a, a wide range. If you graduate from ASU, your return on your investment per year over the rest of your life after graduating will be uh, 7% if you get an education degree and greater than 23% if you get an engineering degree for an average between all of our 
our graduates of 14 to 15% per year for the rest of your life. That's a huge return on investment now. Of course, you have to graduate. So almost 90% of incoming students to Arizona State University ultimately graduate from ASU or another university after transfer. Um, They have 12 employees for 100 students. Most research universities have over 30 per 100 students. ASU cost produced a degree in ASU is is in the lowest 20% of all universities. So he made a great argument about return on investment. But we had a great conversation about student loan debt. We have been told, and I think you are probably like me, under the assumption – that there are people out there that are living under a student loan debt that they can't afford and that they can never pay off. Dr. Crow explained that the cost of in-state tuition and what people are paying here is just different. And we've also tried to keep our our costs down to the students. In-state students pay uh, what we call net tuition after grants, uh, no loans, after grants of still under $4,000 a year. So we've been able to keep that uh, pretty low. So if that's the case, and I have he's not going to come on the show and lie, then that's manageable. But then the messaging for me is where it's lost because the Biden administration wants to spend a half a bill, half a trillion dollars in in taxpayer money to offset student loan debt because of how oppressive it is to people. Now it doesn't make any sense to me. It really doesn't. It doesn't add up when you say an individual making one hundred twenty five thousand dollars a year or a couple making two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year can have ten thousand dollars of their debt offset. That doesn't sound to me like it's people that are hurting to pay off their student loan debt, and it just doesn't add up. And even Dr. Crow said that the student loan policy is a mess. Yeah, the student loan thing is, is a mess. The, the policy that's just been put out is, is probably not well thought out because it creates chaos about who's responsible for money that you borrow. And right now we have a poorly designed, this is over the last few decades, student loan policy. You can be given a loan to buy a car, to rent your apartment, to do anything as opposed to you living at home and going to school and so forth. Student loans are also applicable for trade schools. Everything after high school can be student loan supported. And so I asked him about uh, the changes in education. We talked earlier today, and I'm probably before the end of the show, talk a little bit more about it, how we've expanded the ESA program to all students in Arizona public schools. And ESA is the Empowerment Scholarship um, Accounts. And it allows a parent, if their child is not being educated in the way they think is best for their child, to take the tax dollars attached to their child and educate their child in a way that they think is best. I think it's a big win for parents. I think it's going to make change happen in public education, which is needed. But I asked him, does higher education need to change? With the options people have, do you need to change in higher education? What we need is a kid coming out of high school. We need everybody to get through high school. We need uh, people to go to trade school, technical school, culinary school, community college, the military, universities. And, And we need to help people to, as they're learning in their life through innovations, to take all that they learn and produce a a lifelong learning sort of package so that later if they want to go back and learn some more they can get credit for what they've learned i mean the system is seriously flawed there's insufficient innovation we're not using technology we're overly elitist that last statement we are overly elitist i thought that was a very um a very transparent 
comment that Dr. Crow made about the system as it is, talking about starting with the needs for people to go to trade schools and go to culinary schools. And we need people out there with skill sets that they can learn in that area. But also in higher education, the way they can change things to make it better for people to get an education, easier or less expensive for people to get an education, and that that industry needs to change. Now, this is coming from the significance of him saying that. Not only does he run one of the largest universities in the entire country as far as enrollment goes, but he also is known as an innovator. ASU has been consistently named the most innovative university in the country. And so for him to say that is for me is it lets me know that at least I'm on the right track in the things I talk about because I think it needs to change as well. I don't have the ideas for that change that he does, but intellectually you can see it and say we've been doing the same thing the same way for all these years. What can we do to make it better? And it sounds like he b- agrees with that and is already on top of it. So it was a great conversation. And if you want to go back and listen to the interview, it'll be on the podcast after the show. Um, in a moment, for the last time this week, it's Did You Hear This? So stick around. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. All right, let's get caught up on the busy week. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. Arizona State University President Dr. Crow joined the show today and shared his thoughts on the state of student loans. What we've got here with this is a student loan problem where people are borrowing massive amounts of money and not finishing. And this is what's been disappointing about national policy. It's not focused on helping to get these kids and these workers uh, through the trade school, through the community college, through the university. It's for all those things to finish. What are ways to ensure that students follow through on their degree programs? I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I don't know the answer to that. I didn't go to college, so I wouldn't can't really form an opinion on what would be uh, good in the college life. I, I would say, though, maybe it would be finding out what they're interested in at a younger age. Uh, when I talk about the CTEDs, those, uh, uh, those career technical education districts, what we call trade schools when we were kids, um, what they do is they take young people that have an interest and while they're in high school, begin to train them in an area. And a lot of these kids leave high school and go on to college with that skill set. But what they also have in their mind now is the direction they may want to go in their life. If there's someone that's gone through the welding program or through one of these other programs thinking that someday I want to be a business owner, well, now that business degree or business management degree means more to you because you have a business in mind you want to start. So maybe that's it. At a younger age, figuring out who's going to college and a little bit more thought into what you'd like to do with your life so at least you're moving in that direction. Maybe that's just too simplistic, but something has to be done that when kids go to school, because ASU says they've got a 90% graduation rate the students either graduate from ASU or they graduate from wherever they transfer. That's a pretty high rate. Good for them. Home prices may be declining, but market rates are continuing to rise. The average 30-year fixed loan is 6.7%, the highest since 2007. Last month, mortgage rates hovered around 5.5%, which could make the payment on a $300,000 loan about $1,700. How much longer will these rates continue to go up? That's a, that's the question. Nobody knows. Now, you know that interest rates for home mortgages are not directly, in, in, uh, w- directly attached to the rate increase 
from the Fed, but the, obviously there is some effect. So what will the market dictate? Because if we start seeing home prices dropping like they are, but interest rates going up that still precludes people from buying, we are going to have a whole different market, and I think that will adjust. So how long it lasts, I don't know. Uh, but I just want to see people who live that American dream. Owning a home is a, a feeling of accomplishment that I was really happy I got, I, that I've been able to experience, and I hope other people can experience it as well. You are listening to Did You Hear This? Every day at this time on the show, we do it to catch you up on the headlines. The president of Professional Firefighters of Arizona, Brian Jeffries, talked about Prop 310 and the importance of understanding fire districts. You may think if you live in the city of Phoenix or Tucson or Flagstaff that you don't live in a fire district. And while that is true, we back each other up on a daily basis and fire districts personnel are running calls in our cities all the time. We share resources. How important is it to fund fire districts? It's so important. And here's my issue. This is my dilemma. I will tell you what my dilemma is with things like this. I think Brian Jeffries is 100% right about funding fire districts, especially when it comes to wildland fires and the great work they do in these rural areas. But it does affect us in the cities. The problem I've had with situations like this, whether it's the bond issue in Phoenix or it's a a sales tax increase here, is that we are raising taxes when it should be fully funded in another way. The difference here is the fire districts have been paid for by property taxes. Property taxes are down very, very low. They're not seeing enough money into these fire districts, and this would help with that. But I say we fit, we should be funding public safety within the budgets in the cities. This is a bit different. Do your homework on Prop 310. It is a one-tenth of a percent sales tax that would fund over $150 million to make sure that these fire districts have the money, the personnel, and the equipment that they need. Hurricane Ian left a tragedy in its wake, but Fort Myers resident Adam Canales says the community is coming together to help. As soon as the wind died down, people were out clearing the streets of debris so first responders could get on the road if they had to. What is the best way for people to come together after something like this? You know, it's, uh, I, I wish... I wish I could have spent more time with him on the air. I wish all of you could get to know my friends that I grew up with, and he is a he is one of them. Um, this is a guy that had a kidney transplant a year ago. Um, we thought we were going to lose him, and this is a guy that hung on and got a kidney transplant and has now got a new lease on life. But all of his life, he has spent helping other people. When my mom needs something, he's there. I, it is just an, He's an amazing human being, and he is one of a lot of amazing people that I've grown up with, and that's the area of South West Florida, I wish you could know. They will get through this. There's no doubt that they come together as a community. He was out hooking up generators this morning and other things, but he is a reflection of the community he grew up in. And the Villas, we were all called Villas kids when we were young, and uh, it was pretty amazing to grow up with those people, and it breaks my heart to see what they're going through. Through the Red Cross, find a way, look online to where you can donate if you want to, the Relief Fund, and uh, let's help Southwest Florida and the rest of Florida get back on track. That's so weird. I don't know why I get emotional when I just hear my friend's voice. It's so strange. Um, it was so good to have him on the phone. We don't we don't have many serious moments between him and I. We never have. We were kind of the life of the party and always have been. Um, but to see him endure what he's endured over the last few years where we thought he was – I thought he wasn't going to make it a few times. Um, got a kidney transplant and a new lease on life, and he's out uh, bigger than life again. And to hear and see all the people that I love so much endure what they're enduring in southwest Florida – 
it's heartbreaking. It's hard for me to look at the pictures because of the landmarks and the memories come flooding back. There are a lot of people here in the Phoenix area that are familiar with or have lived or do have homes in southwest Florida that I've been hearing from. And overwhelmingly, that's been the sentiment from everybody is you just can't believe it, that these are places we've been thousands of times and they're just Gone. They are just gone. And uh, I have not heard any reports of deaths yet other than we know that there's going to be a lot of deaths in southwest, southwest Florida. And I've not heard any names of people that I knew. And I know that's a, maybe that's a morbid thing for me to say. Um, I just hope I don't. I, I, hope, I would hope nobody had died. But um, it would be very sad to think about people I was close to living, losing their life in this tragic storm. Um, is, is inflation worse than originally thought? It is a great question. And we're going to answer it next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, if you haven't subscribed to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast, it's simple to do. Please do it right now and never miss a minute of the show. And a big thank you for the Mike Broomhead Show podcast sponsorship by King Lasik and K2 Vision RLE, the best vision for the valley. Schedule your virtual consult at king at k2vision.com. All right, our final half hour of the week as we roll into the weekend. Let's talk about inflation. Is it worse than we thought? I want to read some quotes about the policies of the White House when it comes to uh, inflation and when it comes to the handling of the economy. Here's one quote. It's a policy so divorced from the reality facing the American people and American economy that it would be laughable if it weren't so frightening. Instead of cheerleading and reacting with tepid measures, the administration should act boldly and decisively to prevent the looming foreclosure crisis from having catastrophic consequences for our economy and our markets. Um, if they fail to act to deal with this with the bullseye of this crisis, which is housing, the likelihood of more collapse similar to bear is too great. Um, I could go on and on. Uh, much of what the administration has done has been too late. So that's what's being said. Well, hang on a minute. Those were all quotes by Democrats about George W. Bush in 2008. So for everybody out there on social media that wants to backtrack and say it's not the president's fault and he can't control this, we squarely put the blame on the Bush administration for what happened in 07 and the housing crisis that crashed and the lending practices that led to the foreclosures and all of those things that happened fell squarely on the shoulders of the president. Not everything that happened during that time was President Bush's fault, but the policy issues that were in his control, every Democrat, by the way, those quotes were from Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, Chuck Schumer, and Nancy Pelosi. Those were the people that those quotes that I just read to you were from those four people. And now, when the tables are turned, we're hearing from everybody, there's inflation all over the world. There's recession all over the world. There's, okay. The fact of the matter is, when you're in charge, when you're the leader, your policies dictate, when things were going well, when things were going well, this president took credit for everything that was going well. How do you stand in front of the American people and take credit for the job creation that's out there and not take blame with the other parts of this? And I've been very fair that what happened between Russia and Ukraine, not this president's fault or not under his control. 
And that had to do with oil prices. It also had fuel prices. It also had affected um, food prices because of how much of the world's grain comes from the region of, of Russia and Ukraine. Been very fair about all that. Out of his control, the shutdown of, of the largest port on the planet in China during COVID was not the president's fault. What is the president's fault is his lack of handling it. That's where the blame lies. When your policies continue to assault the fossil fuel industries, we're seeing prices tick up again. Um, You know, you took credit for the fall from a record high to a falling of over a dollar a gallon. You are screaming how great that is. The gas prices are coming down. Now you're not going to take blame when they tick back up. That's just not fair. That is not fair. But in the end, it's not just about the blame game. What it's about is what it's doing to the American people. The Fed's preferred inflation gauge accelerated more than expected in August. Um, The personal consumption expenditures index showed the core prices, which strip out or uh, the more volatile measurements of food and energy, climbed 0.6 percent from the previous month and rose 4.9 percent on an annual basis, according to the Commerce Department. Those figures are both higher than the 0.5 and the 4.7 annual increase forecast. So the more encompassing headline figure rose 6.2 percent on an annual basis after prices rose 0.3 percent this month. So people are still paying a higher price. And what this means, because we are still seeing inflation continuing and at at a rapid pace like this, is that the three quarters of a point that was just raised on interest rates to slow down the economy is not going to be enough. Just like the Fed told us, they're going to have to do it again. So we are now seeing interest rates approaching 7%. How high will interest rates, I'm talking about for mortgages, how high will they go? What about your credit cards? Think about this. This is the snowball effect that's going to be hard to reverse, but they've got to do something very quickly. You have, you're seeing prices of things go up. Inflation is getting so high that people are not able to meet their their monthly nut. Uh, their their monthly obligations, so they are putting things on credit cards to get to payday. Well, if we are seeing credit card interest rates climb, then you've got people paying more in interest on stuff that they can't pay cash for, and it starts to snowball. I, I, most of us have been in a situation where they had to live on credit for a short period of time, and then in your mind, you think, I only had to do this for this window of time, but look how long it has taken me to pay all of that back. And when interest, it's just a nightmare scenario. Unrelenting inflation is taking a toll, leaving more Americans living paycheck to paycheck is the hospital. Uh, Hospital is the headline. Um, As of August, 60% of Americans were living paycheck to paycheck, according to a recent Lending Club report, a number that hasn't budged much since inflation hit 40-year high a year ago. The number of adults who felt stretched too thin was closer to 55%. Even high-income earners are feeling the strain. Of those earning more than six figures, 45% report living to paycheck to paycheck, a jump from 38% the previous year. And it is, uh, it's, it's a scary place to be. And that for me, more than anything else, is what I think about. It's because the politics of this, I, you know, I come on the air, I give you quotes about George W. Bush in 08. I tell you the policies of the Biden administration and how I think they're failing. That's politics. And we're going to talk about that on this show because I think leadership plays a role in how this affects people if they had acted sooner. Um, But in the end, 
if you're one of those families that it's today's payday and you're getting paid today and most of that money's gone because you had to borrow against it last time, if you know in the back of your mind before your next paycheck, there's a fair chance that you will be out looking for some kind of food assistance uh, for your family, but you're still working as hard as you've ever worked, it is a desperate time. It is a discouraging time. And I just want to get back to normal. Whatever normal is going to be, I want to get there so the American people can start feeling like they're looking forward instead of living in the past and paying bills. You know, uh, there's an old line of a song that says, I'm living on the money that I ain't made yet. And uh, it's an old Hal Ketchum song. And uh, it is uh, it is truer now than it is for, uh, for many people than it ever has been. So let's hope we get out of this quickly. Coming up in a moment, uh, we're going to talk a little bit, a little bit about the uh, the failure of a proposition that would have stopped the expansion of the voucher program, and uh, uh, a little bit more of the week wrap wrap up on what happened with uh, Hurricane Ian. All that's coming up in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, ninety two three FM, and the KTAR News app. Something different. Don't you ever feel you need to speak to me that way? Something black, something light, something different. Something wrong, something right, something missing. Don't you ever feel you need to speak to me that way? Hey, thanks for being here. I'll tell you what, Friday and Godsmack, it's going to be a good day. Thanks for being here. Um... Uh, been a rough week. Been a really rough week for me. I've been very distracted, so I appreciate all the prayers and thoughts and comments from people. Uh, been in touch with people I haven't talked to in a long time out of Southwest Florida as they are dealing with the now the cleanup of Hurricane Ian. Um, and I hope people got something out of it, got a little piece of it. And it's difficult for me when I'm so close to a situation. But I had my friend Adam on, and I, Adam and I grew up together. Uh, we became friends. We knew each other as young as 12, but we became closer friends when I was around 14 years old. And we hung out from my freshman year in high school. We were inseparable, uh, much to the dismay of his family. We were inseparable until I moved here at 27 years old. And uh, to this day, I make it a point to we keep in touch, and I see him every time I'm home and uh, we almost lost him a year or so ago. He had a kidney transplant and is doing very well. But I want you to hear just a couple of comments. I had him on the show about the sense of community and what's happening in Southwest Florida. Two of the winds died down. People were out clearing the streets of debris so first responders could get on the road if they had to. Um. What he really didn't talk about was what he was doing was he was out checking on people. He's got a four-wheel drive vehicle, um, and he is out uh, getting people to where they need to go, uh, checking on friends. We had reports of a very close friend in the group of friends, and it's so funny to say group of friends. I mean, we're talking about hundreds of people that are still so very close. Every time I go home, it's like a class reunion. Um, and uh, there was reports that one of our close friends was missing, and everybody was terrified, and we all got word uh, that he was found safely. And I know that that's not going to be the case for everybody as we're getting reports about how bad it is. But a little bit more of, of Adam talking about uh, that when he, he's going to mention a street here. I'll explain this in a minute. I was driving around this morning about four thirty, five o'clock. Every street in the village is cleared. Crystal Drive. 
there was a palm tree going across that road yesterday. There's two trucks, four guys, chainsaws, getting that tree out of the way so the fire department, which is right down the street, could come and go without a problem. The, uh, the, he's talking about the Villas, which is a neighborhood there, and uh, we were all called Villas Kids. And there are two main roads, uh, one at the south end and one at the north end of the Villas. Well, south end is Woodland Boulevard. That was the road I grew up on. I lived on Woodland Boulevard. And the other side is Crystal Drive. It's the main road on the other side of the neighborhood. And it's also the road where the fire station uh, is is located. There's a fire station right there. And so, you know, I know it may not sound like a big deal to you, but when you've had damage to your home, you're worried about loss of life. You don't have power. You don't have running water to have enough forethought to be out in the streets with a couple of other guys in a truck cutting down trees or cutting a palm tree out of the roadway so that vehicles can pass. That's the kind of place I grew up. That's what Southwest Florida is like. It's one of the reasons why I love it here, because I get the same feeling, even though this is a much bigger city. I have the same feeling about the place I live. When you hear of a need, we fill it. We just do. And uh, Southwest Florida is going going to endure a whole lot. As a matter of fact, um, I was getting news here that they weren't. They don't have power. They're not watching TV. Uh, They can possibly listen to the radio if they got batteries. Some people that have generators have the television available to them to watch the news. But we are giving them, I am sending reports to my friends via cell phone where cell service is working. Pictures of the uh, Fort Myers Beach Pier completely destroyed. Times Square, which is a little shopping center at the foot of the pier, completely gone and leveled. And so we were giving them information that they didn't have unless they started out venturing out and driving. And now we're starting to hear about the loss of life and how the coroner's office can handle about 180 bodies in Lee County, and they have ordered a couple of refrigerated trucks. Now, that's such a morbid thought, but that's what they are facing in the coming days is there is such um, good news of people being saved, their lives being saved and uh, property being saved. My family's been so blessed. My brother's house was saved um, and they have damage. I've posted pictures of my brother's property and it is damaged, but the house structurally is sound. Uh, They don't have power, but they have a roof. There are some people that lost. I have friends that lost everything. We've been talking online. I mean everything. House washed away. I have a friend that lost a house and two cars. Um, it is going to be a long, hard road for Southwest Florida. Uh, so I appreciate you letting me speak about it being on the front of my mind. Keep them in your prayers. And if you're able to help them, there's going to be a lot of ways online where people are telling you how you can help Southwest Florida with money or otherwise. If you can find it in your heart to do it, please do. But if, if nothing else, just know that there are really good people in that part of the country that are hurting and uh, they are going to need uh, your support. And I would say spiritual support if you are a praying person. Be a great time to do it. Um, social media users, you want to follow and see some of the pictures. I am at Broomhead KTAR on Twitter. Mike Broomhead, all one word on Instagram. And my public page, Mike Broomhead, is, is public. You, you don't have to follow me to, to be there. Keep in touch. I would love to uh, hear from you over the weekend, exchange some pictures. We'll be back on uh, Monday morning, beginning about 8 a.m. So have a great weekend, everyone. God bless. Thank you.